0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Deeper Daily Podcast for our, our, our podcast for the 16th day of August. It's midweek. I'm Paul White. Thanks for joining me for a few minutes. I know based upon yesterday's concept, the idea that the sword and the club that comes into the Garden of Gethsemane is awfully easy to fall in love with, I listened back to the podcast after I recorded it, getting it ready. And I thought, well, you know, if you track with me every day on the DDP, you're probably tracking with me. You know, that's, you're, you're fine. You're like, well, this is what we come here for. If you're new or you haven't been around long or you just hadn't heard anything yet that turns you off, then you might have, if you came back today, you might be saying, I'm curious about where this goes. I, I thought about the fact that almost nothing is more offensive to us in Christian circles In certain Christian circles, let's put it that way, um, almost nothing more offensive than having our ideas or our proclivities, our ideologies, our political ideologies, left or right or center, whatever, to have them questioned as if Jesus might have a different idea. So if you're leaning left in the U.S. politically to see that Jesus might not fall your way, or if you're leaning right politically, to see that Jesus might not fall your way, it doesn't usually, it doesn't seem to shape us into the people that we should be. It seems to anger us that someone's twisting Jesus. And I want to say that it's very possible that someone's twisting Jesus. It's possible that I do it. It's possible that you do it. It's part of the journey of understanding him it's also quite possible that i need untwisted that i need to let go of some things so that it looks more like christ and you might say well gosh how are we going to do this this is i mean you do we approach the bible this way constantly do we approach jesus this way constantly and i say yes welcome to following jesus where you are in a wrestling match oftentimes with what it means to follow him versus what it means to follow this world. And if you're not constantly at odds with that, you run the risk of fashioning a golden calf and calling it Jesus and and serving it while calling it Christianity. And, and I know you say, well, that's a huge statement to make, and I'm not trying to lay this out as, some theological foundation for for some new church or whatever. I'm just saying that I think if you're not at odds constantly with what you're hearing and and you're following Jesus, what in you follows Jesus versus what you're hearing from the left, the right, and the center, if it's not at odds, then after a while, then it's time to reevaluate. And, and, and I say that because the politics and the people of this world do not naturally land on the kingdom. They don't. Neither the left, the right, or the center. They don't land where Jesus lands. And so there needs to be some tension in how we land and what we do with it. All right. Well, if I still have you, Verse 44, now his betrayer, we're in Mark 14, by the way, verse 44. His betrayer had given them a signal saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Now Matthew's version of this, Matthew 26, has Jesus saying to Judas, Friend, why have you come? And Matthew's a later writing than Mark. So it's interesting to me that when Matthew tells the story, he has Jesus on slightly more intimate terms with Judas. Um, Mark definitely has a huge negativity in the Judas story. He doesn't introduce him till late. When he does introduce him, he introduces him in, in chapter 14. A little earlier in this chapter, and then boom, here comes Judas betraying Jesus. And I don't want to get too deep into the Judas story. I did this on the essay edition back on the 31st of July. So 16 days ago, we aired our essay, and our essay was way back in 1410. Chapter 14, verse 10, so that was Judas. So I just did the Judas story. So I'm not digging too deep into what Judas is up to here. But I do think it's interesting to note the difference in the way that Mark lays out the story and the way that Matthew lays out the story. And then they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. One little contrast in narrative here that's, to me is at least somewhat fascinating is Jesus consistently throughout his ministry lays hands on people. But when he lays hands on them... He lays hands to release them, not to captivate them. When hands are laid on Jesus, in verse 46, they take him. And your Savior is not in the taking business. He's in the healing business and then invites you to follow him. He doesn't grab you and drag you. And it's it's an interesting contrast as to what power through the systems of the world or the quote unquote powers that be what they do versus what Jesus does. And so oftentimes power structures will grab you against your will and drag you. Jesus, if he grabs you, he grabs you to transform what's not true about you, to bring healing into what is hurt in you. And then he, he takes his hands off of you in that He he allows and promotes liberty. It is for freedom he has set us free. Galatians 5.1 He breaks chains he takes his hands off of you then he invites you to come follow him he invites you into relationship he doesn't drag you into relationship he invites you into relationships. They laid their hands on him and they took him. I like to think he lays his hands on you and you take him (laughs) We're going to see that striking of the servant's ear tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless.